0: You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at Nerdtonomedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchistan Center. This is Phoenix FM.
1: This is
0: 92.5 Phoenix FM. Community radio for Dublin
1: 15. Everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the Welcome to the Wrestling Rewind. The only wrestling
0: podcast by fans who don't hate wrestling.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to Phoenix Night 2.5 FM. It is the only wrestling podcast by fans who don't hate wrestling. And the only wrestling podcast which you need to listen to coming directly from their studios here of Phoenix Night 2.5 FM around the Christmas season. So thank you so much for listening to us. We hope you're you know, having some time off or getting ready to have some time off because uh, it's going to be our Christmas show next week, Martin. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, have we decided? Are we going to do anything... I think we have to. I think we have to pick something. Yeah, we usually do something fast. Yeah, I think doing something... I think we've pretty much covered all the
0: Christmas movies that have wrestlers in. Yeah. I think we got all
1: them. Yeah, we got all those in a nice like neat package there like a year ago. So I'll have a look and see what will be more fun because I don't want like, I don't want to do a WWE show because they're always terrible. But I think there might be something fun in WCW. Oh, WCW Christmas Disaster. Yeah, yeah I think that, I well think that could up. be fun. Because <laughs> Star, well Star, Starcade was around uh, was around the end of the year, either in, either in November or December. And then the wheels kind of fell off every year. So I think, <laughs> I think we'll have a look, or else I might go all the way crazy and go and see what's in TNA. Oh, nice Christmas TNA a episode. Nice Christmas TNA episode. So I don't know, leave it with me. I'll have a look, and sure, folks, the best way to find out uh, what we're doing is go over to our social media. Martin is handling that now. Uh, we're also on Earth to uh, what's Media on Instagram. That's the one. Uh, but uh, our social media is Twitter and um, Facebook is run by Martin. So, uh, yeah, we'll be dropping updates there also. But as I said... We'll, on- have, we'll have some variation of Santa getting powerbombed or suplexed or... The more tables, something put better. through a
0: table, yeah.
1: Put through a table. The more tables, the better. Uh, as I said, my name is Dara Connor, but I'm not alone. You heard him there. I'm joined by the one, one and only Mister One and All, Martin Herity. How are things, Martin?
0: Ah, oh, Dara, I was I was fine till about five minutes before we started the the call here. We were having a wee bit of a chat just before we start the podcast, and I was flicking through my phone and was smacked in the face by the news that kenny omega is out indefinitely yes and it, you know it looks like diva,
1: uh, diverticulitis
0: yeah so some of them um like, like i say i'm always a wee bit skeptical about what uh wrestling social media news sites report uh kenny omega has posted himself just saying that uh I just i'm out indefinitely mm. um but it doesn't sound like an injury, it sounds like an illness and Sean Ross Sapp and a few other sites are saying that it appears to be diverticulitis um,
1: It is so, shocking, like, I, I mean I saw it before you did, uh, for some reason I uh, it, it broke on my timeline before you start talking about it, but you kind of like so folks we, were t- we, talked, we, talked, we talked like half an hour beforehand, we just kind of have a chat and Martin went deadly silent and I knew what it was, <laughs> and I was like how did you not see this before me? Um <laughs> So yeah, no, it's it, it sucks though because I mean like, it, look, if it is diverticular, I I didn't think it was that. I thought it was something else. Uh, if it's diverticulitis, that is least uh, less bad, but by by no stretch of imagination is it like something that he's going to walk off. I was watching um Brock Lesnar, actually something got to do with Brock Lesnar and his struggle with it, and apparently like even when he gets hit now in the stomach, it still hurts, oh. and he was out for like two years or something like that with it. So I mean, look. Omega's a professional wrestler. He's not a fighter. Um, so he doesn't probably have to contend with that. But, you know, I'm hoping he'll be back before All-In. Because I would like to see yes. him go against Osprey. That would be it, cool. It, it looks like he's
0: like pretty much out uh, of World's End. So World's End is in two weeks. So that yeah. doesn't look like it's up. Although, to be fair, at World's End, he was only in a tag match with Jericho. So there's not a, you know, just like, th- that's not going to be like, it's not that bad, but it's a not huge ideal. issue for people. Nobody's going to be like, "Oh, the Jericho Omega tag match isn't on." Oh, I want my money back. Um, even if he missed Revolution uh, in March, would be a pity because that's Sting's last. Mm. Um, but you would hope that by the time August comes around, that he'd be he'd be back on track. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like you were saying, diverticulitis is one of those conditions that. If you get it early, you can be fine in a couple of weeks.
1: Or, and look, um, you know, it looks like they did catch it early, which is good. Hopefully, or so. if uh, if it's really bad, like you were saying
0: with with Brock Lesnar, um, yeah, you can be you can be a long time on the shelf with us.
1: Well, look, we it's a, obviously it's literally a breaking story as we're going on air, so we'll keep an eye on it, and obviously we'll bring up the updates as they happen. One thing off the bat, I want to say real quick is I've spent a lot of time actually updating the feed. And I've do I've done a a new way of updating the feed where it's actually like, they're dropping as we like as we we do them. So it, there's not this big massive back catalogue. They are just kind of dropping as we're doing them. I mean, the way you're supposed nice. to do it, rather than <laughs> the way I do, it, where I forget about it. I'm like, oh, oh no, we have like twenty five shows in this year because like one Saturday I just sat there for eight hours editing shows. Um, so they're all up now, which is great. Uh, but yeah, we're actually doing them like on time now so thank you guys for for putting up at me i'm sorry because like i was looking at the uploads like yeah it looks like we don't do anything for like two months and then we drop like a bank of shows when really <laughs> if i just dropped them once a week <laughs> it'd be a lot easier dara rings me and goes martin we haven't done a podcast in three months you need
0: you need to come out now and we're gonna do 15 in a
1: row we're gonna bang out 15 of them it's like say goodbye to the wife and the kids We're just going to block record for 15 hours. 48 hours in the recording (laughs) studio. No toilet breaks. No water. Just bring your notepad and that's it. That's all we're doing. Uh, So that actually, like, that doesn't happen, folks. I just don't edit the shows. But now I, I am, like, being more disciplined and they're going up as well. So if this is your first time checking us out on Phoenix, thank you so much. Guess what? You don't have to deal with that. You can go and check out everything on uh, the wrestlingrewind.com, Media.com and the True Penny channel as well. They're all there, and they're all there for free, which is fantastic. And I will say thank you for everybody who uh, does listen, because the listeners- listenership numbers are actually great. It's funny, because I see them. And when I don't upload shows, they drop. But when I upload shows, they they skyrocket again. So I think maybe that's why they're dropping. Because <laughs> they're like, "Oh, these guys are done." It's like, no, it why not. is.
0: I, I've noticed that when uh, we we have nothing to listen to, we get fewer listeners. Yeah, I know, right? It's it's, it's almost <laughs> like got,
1: that's the problem. We got our uh, what was it? Our
0: Spotify Wrapped thing.
1: We did get our Spotify Wrapped. Yeah, we did pretty well this year. Shows that the show's on the up. Okay. Yeah, we didn't. It, it, so our biggest listenership is in the US and England, and All and right. in Ireland. So that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. We're, we talk about professional wrestling. <laughs> England, Ireland, and America makes the most sense. But we have a bunch of pretty listeners much. to Germany. So yeah, with. Germany's pretty big for wrestling. What about Mexico? We can any Mexican listeners? Yeah, a few. But like, I mean, the, the top four were those countries. Uh, my Spanish isn't great, so maybe. And, and you know what, right? We're, we're the top podcast as well for like 20 people, which is weird. So like nice. 20 people like love our podcast so much that like we're their main podcast of the year on Spotify. We need to find these 20 people and organize some sort of night out in Dublin. Or, or Belfast. Belfast is cheaper Be- Well, look, I'll, t- I'll take whichever one involves me traveling. That's deadly. Yeah, I mean, That's fair. And you get really good points in Belfast too. We went to that place after that gig that one time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a, that that was fun. <laughs> that play. Oh, where we went. Yeah, that was yeah.
0: Lavery's. Lavery's is quite good, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You I like your Guinness, uh, Beatles is pretty good and uh, no, there's ah, there's a load of really good bars around Belfast. Yeah, it's all on, it's it's all a good crack, you know. Now, it is still a European city. So there's also a load of poncy archy bars charging eight quid for a pint. Yeah, but,
1: but no 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 no, you go to the dive bars. Exactly. That that that's that's where the that's where the real fun is, and plus Belfast has like two really good venues. Uh, sorry, I, I know we're a wrestling podcast based in Dublin, but folks, if you've never been to Belfast, you should go. It's a good time. Um, the Voodoo is fantastic, and so is uh, the Limelight. I have a good time every time I'm in the Voodoo, which yeah. is one time, and I want to go back. So I'm going to endeavour to get a gig there next year, um, very much so, just to play the Voodoo because I really like it there. Um, all right, so guys, we have a couple of things coming up uh, this week. Uh, obviously. We're gonna cover some news which we've already kind of done. Um I do want to, I do want to talk about Cousin Phil um real quick because I have to. <laughs> wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be uh, one of our podcasts if we didn't. I know, right? He just seeps in. He just seeps in. Uh we're gonna talk about WWA, which I don't think we've actually ever done on this podcast yet, or Never. at least you and I that's, haven't. That's WWA. Exactly, WWA. A? Eh? And uh, then In Your House, number seven. So, folks, we have an absolute jam-packed show this week. Uh, we are either, like, we're not going to split this into two shows. We're just going to either, you know, go for the tight hour or else we're going to go for a 90-minute show. And that's what's going to happen. Uh, and then next week, it'll be Christmas-related. I just have to have a time to ru- uh, ruminate on which terrible festive gimmick we can go for. We'll
0: figure something go. out. There's... We will. It's wrestling. There's bound to be a, an embarrassment
1: of cringy riches to to get through. So, CM Punk, cousin Phil, right? So he's so he's doing his so I thought you'd find this interesting this week. So he went on a little world tour. And I was in Rome for a lot of last week, so I was kinda of watch so Rome's an hour ahead of us. Um so it's like six hours ahead like uh ahead of any wrestling that happens in the, U- in the US. But by the time you'd wake up, particularly when you're you're doing tours or, you know, anything like that, I would wake up around 8, so I would all the news would be breaking because the show would just go off the air, which is a really weird thing to actually experience. Um, and, yeah, like, Punk was doing his little tour, so he went to SmackDown. So he went to Raw first, then he did SmackDown, then he went to NXT, then he went back to Raw and signed in Raw, and obviously that's where he is now. Um, but it was interesting to kind of see, like, what he was dealing with these. He was kind of hinting that he wanted to go on NXT or should he go on NXT. And there's a bunch of different news breaking around here that's saying he might actually end up running NXT with Shawn Michaels eventually, which, I mean, makes an awful lot of sense. Uh SmackDown, that was kind of flat, but he could a really good promo on Raw on Monday, which I want to get your opinion on because some are saying it's literally the same thing that, Han- that he did with Hangman, and it kind of is. Um, but, I mean, what do, like? A lot of this kind of uh, ties into what I said to you last last time we were talking, which wasn't last week because I wasn't here, but it was about two weeks ago, where it's like they are going to start leaning into the reality of CM Punk. What do you think about this?
0: Um, I mean, I think the NXT stuff, uh, not him running at the him showing up and saying, "Oh, I might sign for NXT." I think that was pretty blatantly just to get. More views for the pay per view. Like there was no chance he was signing with uh, NXT. Um, Him running it like down the line might have a have sort of more um, more of a possibility to it. I do recall there was a lot of talk when uh, Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor that they were talking about it would basically become. Uh, CM Punk said when he was done in ring he would basically book and run ring of honor but again it's hard to tell what's uh, what's actually being discussed and what's just you know sort of bouncing around the internet Um, in terms of the pay-per-view the promos and I've been really surprised by how dull most of them have been the raw one that you mentioned did have a wee bit more fire to it, but it's always really bizarre for me to see, to hear punk. Um, you know, given that his whole gimmick was the, the voice of the voices, and you know his name is literally punk. You know, he's the the rebel and the outsider and all that. It's so bizarre for me to hear him using like the corporate speak. So for him to be so for him to be out there talking about, uh, am I going to be a raw superstar? Or a SmackDown superstar, you know, when his return to AEW was all about wrestling and I came back to wrestling and um so it's always really bizarre to hear him using that kind of language. The Seth Rollins face-off was just absolutely a 100, percent and I suspect deliberate rip-off of the uh, the Hangman page uh promo. Like it was literally word for word. Uh I'm not going to defend it against you, I'm going to defend aw slash wwe from you like it was blatant well the thing is that their audience is so much bigger that they can probably get away with that um i see the reaction to it has been pretty big and i'm I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it um i don't know i'm still i'm still just not getting it uh he he likes money yeah, yeah, and that's he likes money. That's great, I but I don't like. See, I'm not seeing any of this money, so I don't, uh, I don't feel any need to emotionally invest in it. I think, um, I think his first match is going to be really interesting. Now I know he Dominic has Mysterio. Well, th- so these are yeah the the house shows that he's doing. Yeah, um, I don't know if they are for local audiences or if it's just. Uh, sort of try out in the ring and maybe shake off whatever rust there is. Um, and even when he does, like, properly return, you know, you could be talking about the Royal Rumble. So that's not even really a match. Like, so it could be well into next year before we see his first proper TV match. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting. But what's what's your take on the whole thing?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I think... It's funny because he is using the corporate speak, but I think he was doing that in AEW as well. Like, he's still, like, it's really funny because I think he's doing the exact same thing he was doing in AEW, but it's a lot more kind of cynical now because you're kind of, like, onto him. And, like, you know, he was saying, oh, I'm a wrestler, I'm back to wrestling. Of course he was going to say that to AEW fans. He wasn't going to come out and say, you know, the WWE words because that wasn't it. (laughs) You know, I mean, think about it, right? Like sports entertainer. Yeah, I mean, generally, think about it, like. And now he's playing the game. He's really like, I think Punk. He will win the Rumble, right? He will get to WrestleMania, but I don't think he'll win it. I don't think he'll win at WrestleMania. And he'll lose, his you know what, right? I think we're building up to a massive CM Punk heel turn, like phenomenal CM Punk heel turn. And he he did it in AEW. His return to AEW after after the all after brawl out was him going heel. I was I'm watching a lot of it, and everything he was doing was building up to this. And I think that's what they're doing here as well. They're like, it's weird, Martin. I think we swap sides here. Well, I'm like put, laying this out, and then all you have to say is, "But punk. punk, right?" <laughs> so I, I am aware that that is that, that that this could be happening here as well. But I do think, considering the fact that they have all these controls in place with him I think they're like you know what just do what you're doing in AEW but cynically
0: what do you think um, so like that's where you think the character's going where the storyline's going I do think so yeah what do you think um, because at this stage Punk is 45 now and towards his last couple of months in AEW he was getting injured all the time yeah when he he wasn't out for you know (laughs) attacking people or whatever else he was getting injured constantly. Um, what do you think is in ring returns going to be like?
1: I mean, it depends. Like, I the problem with AEW is also the good thing about AEW, where the lads go in and leave everything in ring, and they have these phenomenal matches week after week after week. The downside of that is they're the higher chance. Like, do you ever play? Do you remember the GM mode in in uh, two in two? Uh, what's it? SmackDown um, I mean, Raw, two thousand seven. I'm aware of it. I didn't have it, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. Oh, man. Right. So I love playing it, like, particularly on the PSP. I still play on the PSP from like 2006, 2005, 2006. And you could just book the matches. And the way you'd book the matches is like, you would like, you'd be like Ross MacDown or ECW eventually, right? And if you, the more extreme the match, the higher chance of being injured. And I think like Tony Khan should sit down and play that. To be like, hey man, you know, if if you don't have these safe matches, they're gonna get injured. Like it's what happens. And I there, there 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 was none of that control with WWE the style. Yeah, look, it it's a lot less cool than AEW, and the matches are kind of boring. Like generally, they can be really boring. But the problem is, sorry, but the upside of that is like they don't get injured nearly as much as the AEW lads. As I mean, look, Daniel Bryan is injured all the time. <laughs> We're going to yeah, keep, but he is. But he far is.
0: He Even fun, by AEW standards, he is a lunatic.
1: Oh no, absolutely. But like, I mean he's seen
0: his, his last couple of matches in the Continental Classic. This is um, what I'm saying to you. Like I mean it's uh, he had it's insane. He's had that uh, eye socket surgery and he had Andrade whip the whip the um eye patch off him and literally start gouging at the scar. Like he's
1: I know, I know, but but see the thing about it is in WWE obviously that won't be a thing. So I yeah, mean, it's not gonna I, I mean, Punk's in my like, chance of injury in WWE is very low in reality. Um, I mean, look, stuff can happen, but the idea tries to pull off a a buckshot Just yeah, to, I, I don't think I don't think he's gonna do. That.
0: I don't think he's gonna so do. That. Like if he if he if he goes for it and does it, like it'll be memed to death. Like like CM Punk fans will love it. but it's so risky because if he goes for it and messes it up like it it gets the exact opposite reaction with the exact same (laughs) ferocity
1: and I think what will happen is the guys who will be in there he won't be in there with like random jobbers he won't be working week to week it will be like people who are who are there to make him look the best they can and I mean look he's been in there with some phenomenal guys in AW but at the same time it wasn't to make him look better it was to make the two of them look good and I don't think that's what's going to happen I don't think you're going to see an MJF um, dog collar match where they both kill each other and look amazing I think it would be like he'd be in there with, with Seth Rollins and the match would be great and Seth Rollins would be carrying the majority of that match um, and it would be to make Punk look as great as he can Seth Rollins will win Punk will go mega heel and then I'll set up a few to Cody Rhodes.
0: I, I um, often and that's going to happen. I often, when we're on this show, use you as my kind of counterbalance. So rather than just making a sort of definitive statement on something, you know, I'll ask you, am I just being biased here or, or is that a bit conspiratorial? But part of me thinks he deliberately kind of tanked his AEW contract or his AEW run because he couldn't hack the in-ring pace. Is that too cynical? Am
1: I maybe being a wee bit over the top there? Yeah, maybe. I think a little bit. I I I I think you're half right and you're half wrong. I do think he deliberately tanked his AEW run when he came back. When he came back he came back to like and there's a great video of it like of someone just doing all his promos. When he came back he came back to effort. He absolutely came back to FR. Uh but I don't think it's I think it's, and he got to do it work right I'd got to do it he just didn't want to be there anymore and it's just I, a, like so prior to
0: brawlout he was being used a lot more as a singles wrestler but when he yeah. got when he got collision he was putting himself on an awful lot of uh, tag matches three man tags yeah. and tag matches and eight ways and six ways and whatever else you know
1: you know what actually it could be as well I think he actually enjoyed running things. Which is why the the NXT thing makes a lot of sense to me. I think he just enjoyed. He obviously does wrestling, right? But I don't think he wants to be a wrestler anymore. I think he just wants to run, run stuff. Yeah. Which is why, like, I mean, Collision made sense, and Collision, like, when I when I when he was there, I actually really liked Collision. Um, but I think him being involved with that kind of stuff now is what I'd see, and it's probably going to be more his his speed going forward. I think we'll probably get two or three years of this CM Punk, and then he'll probably transition and join Shawn Michaels. Because look, it looks like they're having a great time there in NXT. And from all from all reports, the majority of the NXT roster love CM Punk. Which I mean, a lot of the, like all of the Collision ro- roster love CM Punk as well. So it's like, it, well, it particularly sense. with the NXT roster, because the you know there would be that age difference. Like yes. a lot of them would have grown up watching, and that's dunk. Yeah, and that's what 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 the reports are saying as well. So, I mean, if that is kind of the way, it, it is the vibe I'm getting. I don't think it was a um, deliberate thing. But I also, well, I mean, I think, yeah, a little bit deliberate. But the actual messing up in the ring and stuff, I don't think was him trying to be bad. It was like, look, he's a lot older and he's his body is a lot more broken down than he probably wanted to believe. It. But, you know, it is what it is. And again, like we always say on this show, folks, no matter how good something is, no matter how well planned, no matter how great it could be, but punk. but punk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I think that's
0: all the news, is it? Do you have anything? No, events.
1: no, no, that's, that's kind of everything. Uh, I mean, like we're, we're a couple of weeks away from the Royal Rumble and like yes. a, a couple of weeks away from the return of TNA, which I'm very yes. excited about, matches are really starting to be a uh, C- couple of weeks away from now.
0: Uh, World's, World's End, end. at yep. the uh, end of the Continental Classic which I don't know if you've been watching but for me has just been the best thing in wrestling this year um, really a lot of in-ring storytelling, a lot of like competitive sports based storytelling and then these brilliant, I love these promos they're doing, they're like 30 to 60 seconds but they're like immediately after the match the catch up with guys backstage and it's uh, I don't know, just as a whole... It, it, do you remember when AEW first came out and one of the things they were talking about was a kind of a, a more focus on the sports base aspect yes. of wrestling? Yes. It's it's a lot like that, and it's... Oh, man, I'm, I'm loving the Continental Classic.
1: Oh, well, look, I mean, that's one thing that um, AEW's always been able to do is put on one hell of a tournament. But speaking of tournaments... Oh!
0: <laughs> speaking we go. of
1: tournaments... Oh, speaking of tournaments, we have the most prestigious tournament of all time. Forget your King of the Rings, forget your uh, Deadly Games tournament, forget your uh, Continental Classics. We have the greatest tournament of all time, ladies and gentlemen. And where you can find it, it's on YouTube. Now I don't think it's it's by them officially, but it is there. No, it's not. It's by some random guy. Um, <laughs> I do own this on DVD. Full disclosure. And my copy of DVD of the DVD is signed by uh, Jerry Lawler. So it is signed. Um, I
0: don't own this on DVD, so I probably do owe some money
1: to World Wrestling All-Stars. So, yeah. And as you said, this is uh, from WWA Inception. So we're going all the way no, back. No, no, no. The Inception. The Inception. <laughs> they did this really weird thing
0: the whole way through their run. Because the run was only like, four or five pay-per-views. Yeah, it was very um, very
1: very very small.
0: And I think maybe it was because so Bret Hart is their first commissioner and yeah. Bret Hart had this awful habit of I don't know if it's Canadian thing of putting the in front of stuff that doesn't need a the. So I'm here in the WCW tonight on the SummerSlam <laughs> kept doing this. And all their pay-per-views are called like they're not called Inception Revolution Retribution, something else, they're called The Inception, The revolution. revolution The Retribution and I think that was a call by Commissioner Bret Hart
1: but what's interesting about this is so this was my first ever wrestling show WWA, it came to Dublin right? now it was around this time it wasn't it was 2001 though it was 2002 and all the matches that we we're going to talk about here were actually the matches that he did in, in Dublin not to the same extent, but a lot of them were. Uh, there were no cage match, but I did see a Black Wedding match in person, and it was...
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was something else. Um, and and Brea Hart came out with the belt and all that kind of stuff. So even though we got a resolution, we also didn't, because then he went on tour and ignored most of this. So some background here. Now, the reason why I picked WWE was not because it's weird. That's only part of the reason. Is because I was watching Botchamania, um, and they were talking and they were reading from Todd Gordon's book in ECW. And apparently, WWA existed before ECW, which I didn't know. I just knew of WWA as this weird promotion out of Australia, which carried over WCW lads into TNA, right? So that was what I thought it was. No, apparently, it existed beforehand. But this incarnation was established in 2001. This was the first. Uh, so there was a WWA. It disappeared for years, came back. Disincarnation starts officially in 2001 and it, it, it's from Australia, right? Now, what's weird about this is uh, it, it's a bizarre show, right? Half the lads at WWF, half the lads at WCW, they're still using their gimmicks from both. And neither uh, very are... Very
0: questionably, like, there's,
1: there's got to be some copyright issues here with some of this stuff. I think this is why the DVD runs are actually hard to get because I don't know who owns what. Like and and from this there there would be like if you're looking at the roster as well, like the roster basically is a, a, a trumped up TNA roster, um in in lots of ways. But it also has like the road dog literally coming out as the road dog. Which well, is still well, bizarre. Uh,
0: to be fair, he does drop the second G. So he's just road dog with one G. I don't know if that's like do the you know way Rhino used to be a Y and then an I and then that got him around the Copyright, so I don't know if uh, if Road Dog dropping One G got him around the copyright, but he still comes out to his old music. He does, yeah, and, and does his old ladies yeah. and gentlemen, boys and girls.
1: At least he's not wearing his—he's uh, not wearing a DX gear. He's only half wearing DX gear.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's still wearing
1: the the like you can
0: still see it on the knee pads and all that. But yeah, he's wearing—is it a WWA t-shirt he's wearing?
1: Yeah, and I actually have that WWE t-shirt as well. No, oh, because cool. because that was the tour t-shirt that they would uh they would sell. I mean, this brings but this brings back a lot of memories to me because this was my first like wrestling show. Um, but I still think this is the most because this is the DVD they were selling at the event, and then you go and you get it signed and it's bizarre. I think JB signed it as well. I'm not too sure. I'll have to check the signature and I'll put it up on the social media. But look again, this started um around October two thousand two thousand and one. Uh, so it was just after. Uh, WCW and ECW were gone out of business and bought by the WWE. There was that void. And a lot of the lads were just like, let's go work. So this was established in Australia. I think maybe that's how they were able to like get away with it. Uh, it I wouldn't shock me if that's how they, they did it. Um, but yeah, so look, where do you want to start with this? Um, well, I mean, that's...
0: Uh, so there's a couple of dark matches in that, but I think we can skip over them. The uh, uh, first match... Is Juventud Guerrero versus Psychosis?
1: One now second. This is- one second. Before before we get into that, can I just say, this has my favorite thing that I one of my favorite things and one of the things that I hate most. And I can't decide which one it is. Right. So JB is on commentary with King. King had been fired from the WWE because he wanted to stick up for the cat. He was married to the cat at the time, and this is why Paul Heyman took his spot at WrestleMania and why Paul Heyman was doing commentary. Uh, In WWE, right? So this is why King is there, Um, but they act. So they're doing commentary, but it's also being piped over the PA system, and they did. And they did this live as well. That's what I wanted to
0: ask. Yeah, it sounds there's almost an just a almost imperceptible echo to all the commentary. So is that what it is? That's actually being you're watching that live, and King's there making all his
1: weird homophobic jokes yeah yeah i mean this is what they uh, I'm, I'm, I'm for the record uh the the method of it being delivered is my favorite thing not the content of, of kings <laughs> content. So, just so, so we're clear um but i mean no they, they did this at the live shows as well they'd have someone they'd have two lads and i think it was jb and someone else doing commentary and it was piped over the pa system so obviously what's, this is what's what they that
0: did. like at a live show
1: it's amazing. It, it yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, they should do it. Like, I know why they don't do it, because it sounds like this and it sounds weird, but it actually... Sh- benef- Surely a big company like WWE could find some way of separating the audios. And- no, because I don't think you can, because at the same time, like, yeah, you, I mean, you could, but then you'd, it would still be there. That weird echo would still be there. And I think they, WWE probably did try this in the past and they're like, we're never doing that again. But they did it so early on uh that it's looped back around to being revolutionary but i mean this is the one thing about wrestling shows live that i hate that you're just sitting there and i know i know the atmosphere is great and you're around people but not having commentary that you can listen to really takes so much away from it so that's what that weird echo is man that that's that's the actual commentary going out over the house the house uh, speakers as well
0: in terms of production the show is not terrible um They've got a pretty respectable eight and a half thousand people there although i think the arena is set up for much much more um so there is depending on the camera angles there's an awful lot of empty seats and that around the place but um it's not it's it's not the worst production in the world there's definitely some stuff that they need to iron out i said need to iron out as if they're still going like um some of the camera angles and that they the cuts came at the wrong time, and they tended to miss a lot of stuff. But that's like see stuff like that. That only comes with experience, because like you see, even in AEW, AEW's first couple of years, they were you know they were missing stuff with the um, camera angles. They were having production issues. They were having you know maybe sometimes cutting to the back and the wrong sounds going out. You know maybe the audio from the front going out. And uh, so like I wouldn't necessarily. Knock them down an awful lot of points for mm. that kind of stuff because that's that's just teething problems for any kind of major production.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I mean the thing about it is, if if this was keep if they kept going, uh, well, I mean they, oh, look, I mean the two ways you can look at it, either ifs or what actually happened. They did actually keep going. It became TNA wrestling, and they went they went back to a much more traditional setting where they they didn't have. Um, they didn't have commentary being piped out and the arenas were a bit smaller and that. But I kind of like this setup because it's so bizarre and weird. It's like, when we were going back and looking at WCW, it feels like they were kind of onto something and they they removed some of the excess and brought it back to its like purer form. And that's kind of what they did here. This really looks like a really decent two thousand and one, early 2001 um Pay per view in lots of ways, but then at the same time, it also is quite cheap. the The ring doesn't look great. They haven't gone mad with like graphics or setup. They're using the <laughs> like obviously like it looks like a lot of these a lot of this place was papered as well. Um, but they, they went back to the basics and just focus on having decent to good matches or bringing guys who they talk and have decent matches. So that's what we have. The opener being psychosis and to Carrera.
0: Uh, And and a kind of a weird one because it's a ladder match, uh, not just for the WWE International Cruiserweight title but it's also a quarter-final tournament match for the world title at the end of the night.
1: So so pretty much every match on this is to set up this uh, tournament that they're having, so it's a one-night tournament. For the vacant WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Do you championship. know
0: who was the champion before the title was vacated? I'm gonna guess it's Jeff Jarrett. Was it Jeff Jarrett? It was not Jeff Jarrett. Ah, uh, who it was it? It was the Road dog, Jesse James. Oh, man, of course, he was the man the first who champion. came within yes. three seconds just of three The Rock for the WWF World Title. Just missed out and could never let it go. And knew if he just believed in himself. He could win a world title
1: one day. And he did. He was the WWA champion. Oh, man. You know what? I knew that. If you had said who was the first champion, I would have said Road Dog. But it's funny because I think that's the only time he would win. And when I saw him in Dublin later on, he would actually reference that. But then he would lose to Jeff Jarrett. Um, yeah, man. I mean, like, okay. So Road Dog, Jeff Jarrett, Nathan Jones, Scott Steiner. Vacant wins it twice. Uh, Lex Luger Sting and Jeff Jarrett and then it was unified we don't oh, know what but, it was unified but the,
0: uh, it was it was unified the
1: NWA the M- NWA yeah because ah, yeah.
0: apparently before their very last pay-per-view they pretty much knew they were closing
1: mm. so they unified their titles with NWA and yeah and then Jeff Jarrett would have it and, and defend it in TNA at the time uh, okay so look what did you think this match was from the get-go like it was good i thought it was a decent match not the best match in the world but uh definitely kind of going along with the you know the standard which was a a cruiserweight match to open things up yeah absolutely decent um like say
0: psychosis and juventude like you're never going to go far wrong a couple of really cool uh high spots on it you know a couple of cool things with the ladder and the tables um not the like the best match in the world. But to be honest, when you suggested this, I thought this was going to be one of those things that, uh, you know, it's like, oh, Martin, you should go watch this. And then I sit down and it's terrible and it's, you know, we rip it apart. Um, So I was surprised when this match uh, was pretty decent. Um, The production was pretty decent. Everything was looking promising enough. Yeah. Like, I don't have, I don't have a wealth of notes or anything. It was... It was a pretty good early noughties cruiserweight ladder match. Like you say yourself, it was it was very very WCW, which isn't nope. a bad thing.
1: No, and who even did it Won? I think that was the right decision. But there's a couple of points here I want to make on the production side because I have to. I really like the little logo. I think the little logo is lovely. Um yeah. It's one of the most tasteful logos that they have, you know. And honestly, I've you know, WWA should have just kept the name instead of going with TNA. But you can't really chant WWA quite well. So, you know, maybe that's why they kept it. Dub, I, I didn't know. Dub, did, dub A, I suppose. Dub Dub A, yeah. No, then that'll just help. confuse the Canadians when you go there. It's dub Dub <laughs> A. Dub Dub A. So I noticed that there was a fun sign. And it literally said, I don't like signs. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 got like probably one of the last hangovers to basically the Nitro Girls who aren't the Nitro Girls. They just had a little dance. The a
0: one- <laughs> It's The Star. It's, that's true. The Jarretts. Yeah. Uh, a couple so, of the names on this thing, like for the different tag teams, and for like the names of some of the paperweights and stuff, but like lads, if he's had to just sat down for five minutes, he's got to come up with
1: something. They were trying not to get sued. They did their best.
0: But I mean. That only goes so far. Later on in the show when we get Gangrel and he's called Vampire Warrior, I'm like, that's... Make an effort.
1: I can explain why that happened. Put a pin in that. We'll loop back around. (laughs) We'll loop back around to that one. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the production, it looks like Raw... With WWE, well, sorry, with WCW, kind of pasted onto it awkwardly. That's what it kind of feels like. Now, I don't think that's bad. It's just kind of jarring. Like it is very, very jarring. It it looks like a low rent Raw, but like a high rent WCW. It, and, it
0: definitely doesn't feel like a pay per view.
1: It, it kind of does.
0: It, it could definitely does. pass for maybe nineties, like you say, Raw or Nitro. But it it just doesn't feel feel like a pay-per-view, you know, especially when most of the matches
1: go between four and six minutes. The worst part about the show is that Nathan Jones is back. Yeah. So we get a backstage segment after the Starretts where this limo shows up. And who gets out? Nathan Jones. Not just Nathan Jones, but Rove McManus,
0: who I had no idea. He's the owner. Is he? Yeah. See, I looked him up and it just gave a list of like a a comedian, actor, and I thought, all right, he must just be like, he must be a big deal in Australia. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) There's a reason for that. Um, (laughs) He's the owner of WWE. Right, right. Okay. And Um, the sad thing, see, the sad thing about it is it's like, see, okay, I don't want to, to harp on this too much, but you know my like jadedness when it comes to like Tony Khan? Yes. This is where it comes from. It comes from, I've seen so many owners of wrestling, you know, uh, this Wrestlelicious TNA to an extent. And I'm like, okay, we'll see how long this lasts. And that's why, I think that's why, you know, it's just like when, there's nothing new under the sun. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Know what they should do? They should have a WWE staple show up in AEW with your man. And then him and Tony could feud. Yeah. absolutely should not and if
0: anyone from AEW is listening to this podcast disregard that comment immediately um, Rove does show up but he's not the only one who shows up no he walks past one Disco Inferno who declares that he uh, he has so many fans that he's being mobbed everywhere he goes he says as he stands alone in an empty hallway um and he finds like a production guy, and he whips a ball of cash out of the, uh, I don't really know out of wear, because he's wearing like a jacket with nothing underneath it. So I don't know if he just keeps his cash lodged under one of his pecs. He might have a little uh, pocket in there. <laughs> I think he could have. Yeah, We surgical, we surgical slip. Yeah. Um, And he he sets off what will be, for some reason, uh, a kind for of some a, reason. a pay-per-view <laughs> long angle. Uh, where he says to this guy, I I need some protection. Take this money and get me two suits. Like, suits I assume is vernacular. Bodyguards. For bodyguards. Yeah. So this couldn't possibly lead to any kind of, you know, misunderstanding or confusion when you're, you know, giving people vague instructions using
1: vernaculars from a different country. (laughs) But it would lead to our next match, Conan. Who who would be defeated by the Road Dog in a dog collar match for in another quarterfinal for the world heavyweight title? Now, here's the thing: Conan and Road Dog would be, would become a tag team in TNA very soon after this. Uh, they they would not. It would be like just before Voodoo Kin Mafia, uh, before Q Kip would come over. <laughs> um, sorry, the names that they chose are just so bad. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so this would be the first time that like Conan would come out and cut a promo, and he's still doing his uh, WCW gimmick. And I think the thing that shocked me most was the fact that yeah, he's uh, when Road Dog comes out, he's been the road dog. He's fully, coming out like fully literally nothing is different. He's coming out to the same music, he's wearing the gear, he he's the road dog with one G, as Martin correctly said. He's he's doing the water and that. But the thing about it is all the signs still call him Road Dog with two G's. So I don't know, and I don't know if you caught this or not, but on the T-shirt, right? So as I said, I own this T-shirt. It's somewhere in my wardrobe, right? All the wrestlers are just—it's steals from the wrestling companies that they're in beforehand. Bret thats a WCW picture. Buff Bagwell—WCW picture. Uh, Bret Hart. I think some of them looked really familiar. The U.S. title from WCW. No dog is yes. Yes. Road Dog is literally wearing the DX shirt, like the the awesome DX hockey jersey. So Rove McMahon has followed him and went, just go on Google and download We're in Australia. What are they going to do? I think that's what happened. (laughs) Honest to God, I think that's what happened.
0: Why why don't you swim over here and arrest me, McMahon?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing of it is, like, everything on that shirt is owned by Vince McMahon. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. Everything. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if
0: they're printed on, like, just plain T-shirts that they whipped out of his closet.
1: <laughs> well, look, it's just hilarious. I just don't... I mean, look, folks, if you have anyone from Australia listening, please explain to us how the law works over there, or how this was allowed. An, ap- an, ap- an apology for the accent. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, You see, you're a braver man than I am. I wasn't going to do that, so fair play. Um... But I I get about four or five seconds
0: out of a half decent Australian accent before it descends into kind of a cockney English thing.
1: <laughs> well look, I mean I think it was serviceable enough there to to, to explain what's going on. Good we enough ha- for an X Pac Euro. Absolutely. Send us an X Pac Euro. By the way, I was listening to uh to Xbox Team music the other day. Again, just because it's great. X Pac makes more sense than make some noise. Even though I know that's what he's saying, it makes less sense every time I hear it. But then his promos that he would say make more sense now that I know what he's saying. He's just, uh, I think the problem there is you're taking
0: Xbox and you're trying to attribute sense to any of it. And I think that's where you're going wrong.
1: No, I mean, like, just saying Xbox, you know, because his music is like kind of, you know... It's a remix or a retake on the DX music because it's basically the exact same thing, just with a bit more spice to it. Yeah, um, and I mean, it's it's wrestling. Like, you need something identifiable. And But why did he say make some noise? They were already screaming because it's DX. It's mad that that was such a catchphrase of
0: his. And like you say, when you go back and watch his promos, you, you see it all the time. You start to notice it then. But um, up until we kind of... um, Lifted the veil. Stumbled upon, yeah, the fact that he said make some noise, I never would have associated that. Like if I'd been in a wrestling quiz and it was, which wrestler's catchphrase was make some noise? I'd be like, doink? I I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know.
1: Jeff Hardy? The the Boston brawler? (laughs) (laughs) Who says make some noise? I have no idea. Oh man! But yeah, no, we did see the worst belt shot in history in this match, where Conan just lazily hits him with the belt. Which oh. I don't, I don't. Did you catch what belt it was for? Some reason Conan has a belt. No, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what it was. But do you know? Um, you know what? It, know what it could be? It could be uh, a Mexican belt, maybe. Well, the he used in Mexico.
0: Yeah, he he maintained his kind of links with the uh, different Mexican promotions and that. Triple A, maybe. Could be triple. Yeah. A? even when he was in um, uh, American or Australian companies, whatever. But one thing I noticed throughout the night was, like, (laughs) a lot of the guys, a lot of the wrestlers out there look like they're having a lot of fun. A lot of them are not taking the show particularly seriously. And a lot of the, like, uh, a lot of the moves, the punches, the slams and that are, they're going very easy. There's a lot that's not connecting. There's a lot that doesn't look like it has a whole load of impact. I think these guys saw this new company and thought, "Eh, it's probably not going to last. It's a payday. I'm not getting hurt over
1: it." Ah, oh, yes. The, the term that we like to that that is used for this kind of situation is money mark. And uh, I think they knew what was going on here. But the thing about it is, with even with that mindset, right? It's still a decent enough show. I think it's just a bizarre time capsule because everyone really wants it to be WWE and it's not. But it kind of is if you squint hard enough. And I think that's why it's so weird. If you squint hard enough and you don't listen because before, like literally
0: before every match, every single wrestler has a promo. This show is two hours long. There is about 40 minutes of wrestling on it. Um, And every single promo is about WCW or WWF. Bret Hart comes out at the start (laughs) and lays in both of them.
1: Yeah, it's phenomenal. (laughs) He
0: he hates WCW (laughs) and he hates WWF and he hates that piece of crap Vince McMahon. (laughs) You know, like, and he's like, I'm proud to be here at a company with some integrity, he says, sounding like a man who's just the most bored man (laughs) who has ever Like, his heart is not in this in the least.
1: And you know, I also enjoy that like Road Dog is still doing the DX like shtick throughout the match. He's throwing up DX fists and he's doing the, the suck it chance and
0: Oh, he's fully like
1: it's like surely this is going to make your transition a lot more difficult going forward by still wrestling like the road dog. I just don't but then again at the same time everyone is cheering for him. If you squint hard enough, it still looks like raw. Maybe that's what they did. They're like, look, we're not going to bother changing I mean, things. But up you here. also
0: have to remember, this is in Australia, so generally outside of the US, fans don't get to see these guys a lot. So they are going to be, you know, more forgiven and you are going to get like better reaction. Because how many times have we been watching a TNA pay per view where ex WWF or WCW guys will come out and do their do the shtick that they were doing beforehand and the crowd will start chanting same old crap same old crap yeah. you know so i think yeah. maybe they got a wee bit of a leeway here um because it was uh, a non-american audience and uh, the other thing i thought was hilarious and i'm the biggest bret hart fan in the world like so you know i'm all about the hitman but uh like just I, I don't know if it was just his general malaise with wrestling as a whole, at this stage, but uh, so he's obviously sent out there to start the show and introduce the belt and hype up the crowd. And you know, Rove McManus was backstage going, All right, Brit, you're gonna go out there and you need to get to these audience wild, you need to hype them up for the show for the first match, you've got to get them all going mad and really lift the spirits. And Brack was out and starts talking about 9 11. <laughs> what are you doing, man?
1: What are you doing? Oh, man, what a mess. But yeah,
0: like by no means a terrible, and I'm not going to rip it apart, but it is a very bizarre, very funny, ultimately entertaining show.
1: So look, the next match I think is the most WCW of the show. It's Crowbar, or what do they call him, Devon Storm? Devon Storm, yeah. Devon Storm, uh, otherwise known as Crowbar in there with Norman Smiley. Now look, so I like Norman Smiley and I shouldn't because Norman Smiley is terrible and the damage he did to the hardcore division in WCW is, oh is, is substantial. But, I still really like Norman Smiley. So, to see him in there having a silly match with uh, Devin Storm is just, this is the dregs of WCW being broadcast, been not only broadcast back to the, U- to the US and the UK, but been exported to Australia for people to experience so I mean even though we're saying yeah they're taking off they're taking off the WWE kind of stuff they also at the same time exported the, like the worst at WCW now what's funny about this is for me this is kind of like the filter do you ever get like coffee in in, in on like an, uh, an Aerolingus flight where you have that weird like filter thing where they just pack it full of coffee and the coffee brews and then the filters through this weird thing and you drink the filter do you ever have no, that? No, see, I, I don't really drink tea or coffee.
0: But okay, I did but get a whiskey in a in a plastic bag on a Ryanair flight. Like literally comes in like a wee plastic baggie. That was weird.
1: That that I have no explanation for that. But the, <laughs> the first one the first one I do, right? It, it basically brews the coffee in the cup, and it's actually pretty cool. But the filter blocks out all so you're not drinking coffee grounds. And ah. that's what this is, that's what WWE is, it's the filter from, like, the worst of WWE. Just the filter. Just the filter. So Not we're the li- coffee. No, it isn't just a filter. <laughs> so we're actually watching the filter that would take everything either to WWE, to the w- uh, Ring of Honor, or TNA, and then all the garbage is left. And Norman Smiley, unfortunately, very much is, uh, along with Evan Storm, is the garbage.
0: Yeah, like... Okay, so the first thing I'll say is that at least this made sense. Because in the previous match, Conan and Road Dog, which was a dog-collar match, yes, Conan whips out a crowbar and is like hiding it from the ref and then pops Road Dog with it and then shoves the crowbar down his trousers. And I'm like, it's a dog-collar match. It's no DQ. Why, why are you hiding from the ref? So at least, uh, at least in this match uh, it was openly hardcore and they batted each other. They did.
1: We even got some blood and everything.
0: We got some blood. It was uh, nine, nine or ten minutes long. Um, I mean, one of the issues I had with the WCW Hardcore Division was that they would go out there and they would have these sort of, sort of plundery matches which are fun for a wee while but they would go on for like 15 minutes with them. Yeah. And I think Five to ten, as as long as these need to be,
1: um, this was not terrible. No, it wasn't. It was uh, very serviceable. It's just at no point. <laughs> Sorry, some some of the signs are uh, are, are pretty funny. <laughs> they're they're not as mean as the the US ones would be, but they are pretty funny when you're not expecting to see them. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it was what it was. It was okay. Uh, it was a uh... you know. It was a great bit. Now, this match really suffered from,
0: you know, I was talking earlier about a lot of the hits not really hitting and a lot of the slams being very light. This match suffered from that, but there was an absolute... Except the finish. The finish was really good. The finish was awesome. And you know what? So for anyone who hasn't seen it, the finish is they're up on the stage and they've managed to stack two tables on top of one another. And then, really impressively, Crowbar lifts Norman Smiley up onto the second table. Like the top table, which... I I've never they, seen that before. I've never seen that before. Well, the, probably the reason you haven't seen it before is, I don't know if the Australian tables are sturdier, but if you tried that on the tables that they use in American wrestling, like they would have just collapsed the minute you, the minute you attempted it. Yeah. But he throw, he lifts them up on the top table, climbs up on the stage set, like up on the screen, and really impressive like, dive off it. Um, but during the match at one stage they're fighting on the stage you know where the where the wrestlers come out at the entrance ramp and JB's going oh my god they must be 8 feet in the air and then the next thing Conan steps off the stage you're like well if they're 8 feet in the air Conan is 16 feet tall <laughs> Cause he steps off the stage it's like it's not even up to like his, uh, his armpit
1: my question here is as impressive as that last spot was, Norman Smiley still wins. Was this, I tried to find this, was this a botch
0: or was I don't he meant know. to roll off the table or something?
1: I don't know because what happens is, like the spot's great and you're like, right, Norman Smiley's he's finished. And then he puts his hand over him and scores the pinfall. Yeah, so Crowbar dives
0: off the... Uh, like the ring or not the ring the, uh, the stage ramp yeah ramp yeah dave's off through the two tables absolutely
1: flattened smiley yeah should have went for the pin i'm and watching then, the replay here and then it just doesn't
0: <laughs> and then smiley just sort of rolls over as puts his hands or uh, arm
1: over crowbar and wins a d- bizarre finish yeah i mean i'm looking at this and it does kind of look like a botch. maybe norman was supposed to move but surely I don't know. It just makes no sense to me. I mean, Norman Smiley is killed. How would, you, how would you then, like, so let's say he was supposed to move. How would you roll
0: off two tables balanced on top of each other, you know, without accidentally knocking one of the tables over or it's just, it's, it's a terribly booked finish, which like you say is a shame because it was, it was a pretty cool spot. Like, final spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So from there, we have a return back to the disco, disco Inferno, who was presented with two suits. Show long angle, boy. You wanted show long angles. <laughs> Here we go. So who are the two suits? It's not suits. It's it's
0: two fruits. I thought you said fruits. <laughs> so he, the, the production gay literally presents him with the bananas and pajamas. Yes. Or... Because, like, we've had a couple of discussions about copyright. So I looked this up to see do, did they have the rights to bananas and pajamas, or is Australia still just a prison colony where there are no rules? Uh, it turns out that Australia has its own satirical take Stop. on the bananas and pajamas. They do not. The fruits and suits. They do not. Oh, my God. It's so- an actual thing. So it wasn't just like. They said, Oh god, lads, do you know what's really hot right now? Is the bananas and pajamas. Go out and go out and get us two bananas and pajamas suits. Now apparently this is like a, a thing. The fruits in suits are like uh like an Australian or wear an Australian kind of satirical version of the bananas and pajamas.
1: So look, on that note, guys, on that knowledge. We're going to have to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of this show. Go to full 90 minutes and talk about uh, In Your House number 7 as well. Uh, look, you can't say you don't learn anything on this show. There you go. I didn't know that. Uh, that's wild. But uh, folks, thank you so much for listening to us here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. We will be back next week for a Christmas special. And again, if this is your first time checking us out, go over to the Media, go over to dot wrestling.com or the True Penny channel where you can get all the shows. They're on Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff as well. Martin, is there any you want to plug before we take this break? Tune in to uh Nerd No Media to listen to the rest of the show because
0: there's a, one of the matches we literally can't even say the name of. On no, we Phoenix. cannot. We cannot. Uh, and also, get well soon, Kenny Omega. The cleaner, yeah. boy, the cleaner.
1: Absolutely, folks. We'll be back after this break here on NerdsNoMedia.com and TheRestlingTheLine.com. We'll be back next week here on phoenix 92.5 fm see you then you have nothing else to do on a saturday do you like nerd things now so check out nerd to know basis here on phoenix 92.5 fm 5 p.m to 6 p.m and then head over to nerd for all of our shows as part of the nerd to know media radio network thank you for listening to a nerd to know media production All right, been, bleh, 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 That was a botch. That was a fucking Sin Cara botch. Um, you were watching with some Sin Cara, weren't you?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. I saw some of that. Oh, okay. The different variations and the and the. the I, I was actually really impressed when he would jump into the ring until I found out that there's a wee, uh, <laughs> there's a wee trampoline there.
1: And that they always recorded it twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here we go. Hi folks, welcome back to the Wrestling Rewind here on Phoenix 92.5 FM post-show, After Dark, where we can actually say the name of the show. I actually didn't even think about uh, the name of the match, rather. I didn't even think about that, that the Jeff Hardy match is... not. Sorry, the, the Jeff buff. Jarrett match. What am I saying, Jeff Hardy? The What's Buff going Bagwell on? match. Was it a Buff Bagwell match? Yeah, with, buff, with Jeff, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, the Buff Bagwell match. Kids, called... Whips and Buff... <laughs> Yeah,
0: this uh, show did not know what it wanted to be. It, like, are we going to go full attitude era? Let's have a match called Tits. Or are we, you know, early 90s WCW? Let's get the bananas and pajamas on the show. Like, <laughs> this thing did not know what it wanted to be.
1: As I said, man, it is, we are watching the filter. That's it. We, we're watching the filter in the coffee. We're not watching, we're not the water. We're not the coffee. We're, we're the, watching the filter. <laughs> so... We move on from the bananas in the pajamas to the fruits and suits, which, I mean, <laughs> holy hell. It actually explains why the masks are so creepy. Um, but Yeah, and it, it explains why, like, so this fruits and suits angle,
0: even angle is too grandiose a term, uh, it goes on for the nonsense.
1: whole show. It's yeah. nonsense.
0: <laughs> Fiasco. <laughs> Fiasco. <laughs> it goes on for the whole show. And I kept waiting for at the end for, like, them to whip off the banana head or the banana suit and it to be, I don't know, you know, some wrestler, Goldberg or something. But uh, no, yeah, or Yeah, just somebody. Uh, But no, that's literally who they are. They're just the
1: fruits and suits. Oh, so silly. So speaking of silly, uh, our next match is an open invitational battle royale with buff bagwell coming out to set the whole thing up and it, it it's it's still it's still a part of this world championship tournament it's a quarter final yeah an open I, I don't understand how that even works like it's a quarter final that's a battle royale that's an open invitational so before this match even starts there's an interview backstage
0: with commissioner Bret Hart um, and he says i want this you know the the title is vacant so it really should be up for anybody to have a go at it so Mm -hmm. this battle royale is open to anybody and the interviewer goes anybody like who do you mean anybody and he goes like i don't care the people selling t-shirts the referees the merch girls like whoever wants to do it can do it and the interviewer goes like can interviewers do it and he goes i don't care whoever wants it in that ring can get in it and the interviewer goes running off so this battle royale is bizarre
1: I have to say though like JB's in it which is fun the king is in it so there's no commentary for a little while because they go in and do it and then at one point Devon's storm uh, does commentary he hops on yeah, and he I remember he cleaned himself up quite well from all that blood that was over him like 10 minutes ago Uh, (laughs) but actually like
0: this is a dreadful idea but it's quite fun, though. This was kind of fun, this
1: battle. Yeah, now. I, I actually really liked it. I don't think it's a dreadful idea. I, I just, I don't know, maybe if it was worked a little bit better, it could be fun, but... I like just fu- maybe as something
0: other than the world a title. bonfire match for your world title.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, to put this into perspective, it's kind of like if the Royal Rumble is a complete joke. Yeah. That's what this kind of was. But or again... You know the
0: way The Royal Rumble, they usually have like one person in there who is a bit of a joke you know they'll have drew carey or you know whoever hop in it's like that except if it was mostly that
1: well your last two your last two are disco inferno and buff bagwell and disco was eliminated by the fruits and suits they betrayed him they did
0: disco's out doing his thing doing his uh his disco moves Um, Looking like he's gonna win the thing and the next thing the fruits and suits slide into the ring and eliminate him Which again is why I was sitting there going Oh, I bet you you they're gonna whip the masks off now and it's gonna be AJ Styles A couple of big seinen's, yeah, or a couple of, yeah, apparently AJ Styles was with WWE He was that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't make sense. <laughs> it, well, just somebody, but not, you know, <laughs> Australia's premier satirical take on the bananas and pyjamas.
1: <laughs> Which I thought was satirical anyway,
0: but I don't know. Um, so uh, th- that's how this ends. But actually, throughout this match, there's a <laughs> there's load of daft stuff in it. Like the uh, referees get involved. Uh, like you say, JB and Jerry Lawler jump in the ring. The backstage um,
1: interviewer in the gold dress. Interviewers.
0: Compete. Then, yes, then you start getting some of the, yes, starettes and the, uh, yeah, the interviewer in the gold dress getting in. And that's fine until she gets into the ring and comes face to face with Jerry Lawler, who goes full on Pepe Le Pew. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She jumps on his back and he, like, throws her on the ground. And while she's laying down, he looks down at her and basically just jumps up, not in a wrestling move. It's a it's a vertical missionary position splash where he starts trying to shift her. And she oh, like starts screaming and slapping him, and jumps up and sort of runs off. And then he's crawling around the ring after. It's full on Pepe Le Pew. It's bu- and then to get out of the ring away from him, she climbs over the ropes. So, you know, so she's gone over the top rope because that would be your concern in a, you know, a potential sexual assault, you'd be like, well, I want to make sure I'm eliminated. I don't want to wake up in 10 years and still technically be in the open invitational battle royale. With Jerry the King Lawler. With Cherry the King
1: Lawler. I have to say about it, I mean, he really has done some abhorrent stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, I, well, it's, look, it's the, it's the early noughties, It's
0: 2001. This shit I know, would but, not fly now.
1: Uh, rightly so. I mean, like, here's the thing imagine if in character Mark Madden had been there
0: oh my god he'd have just been losing his mind because <laughs> this isn't even like the cheeky like so do you remember a couple of years ago Ric Flair kissed Becky Lynch yes and I didn't even think it was that bad because it was that it was part of the like character and part of the show where she swung for Charlotte I think and missed and Flair just grabbed her and kissed it was like a distraction thing or whatever and the two of them were stood up and they were separate and it was it was more on the jaunty cheeky funny end of the spectrum whereas this is your woman's laying prone on the ground and Lawler full-on fish flops on top of her
1: like he's like this is my chance
0: is, is <laughs> this is happening
1: 8.5 thousand people you can be part of it or you can look away but this is happening oh man so speaking of this is happening they keep trying they kept trying to make Nathan Jones happen even WWE tried with Nathan Jones and it never worked but for some reason he became a world champion in this company as well so we have a backstage interview but did he actually win the title he won the title yeah
0: 1.
1: even 0. after this match even after this match WWE signed them for a match with Taker after this match man McMahon was so blind to Says. Like,
0: if you were big, he did, he could not give a shit if you could rest him or not. If you were big, like, he'd, uh, he'd hire you. This, like, I don't know how you could look at this match and go, bang, get your man on a plane.
1: <laughs> did you watch a show with the, the fruits and suits? Yeah, that one. <laughs> I want the big guy. <laughs> so, we have a guitar on a pole match up next. And this is our first, uh, sorry, this is our, our last quarterfinal match. Our first appearance of Jeff Jarrett of the night. Um, so we have Jeff Jarrett defeating Nathan Jones on a guitar and a pole match. Now, I know what you're expecting. You're expecting the match to be meh. You're expecting a tear shot. And you're expecting no one to draw. All of those things happened. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett came out. Don't sp- worry, folks. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Don't worry. Everyone happened. Um, so Jeff Jarrett's coming out wearing his WWF gear, also his WCW Slap gear. They were kind of the same thing. He just wore a Slapnut shirt.
0: It is and the full-on, like it's the branded one, isn't it? It's yeah, like, it's the Slap Unless one, yeah. he's managed to get like an exact replica
1: with... I no, no. One of the no, logos removed. He's <laughs> literally wearing <laughs> Slapnut's t-shirt. Like we're in Australia. Just don't give a shit. Just no. kind of... Well, I mean, he probably had like all this gear in the wardrobe, and he's like, "I gotta, gotta wear this." Like, you know, the company just shut down like eight months, well, six months ago. So, I mean, it's still relatively. Do you, do you know a year? If they're going this far,
0: it's a wonder they didn't just go the whole hug. Do you remember, uh, like, when you were at home, like when you were younger? Uh, American wrestling would come yes. to, like your local yeah. town hall. Yes, yes, <laughs> it yes. would be like the Irish yeah, Rock. Taker, and Kane, and they'd just be like. like the town hall janitor with a mask on and all. It's a wonder if they're going to do this way. They just didn't go the whole hog and just have like some gay come out as
1: the undertaker, (laughs) Hulk Hogan. (laughs) I think because it's earnest, you know, they're not trying to like, I, they're just like, look, we have all this gear. We, the company isn't established enough yet. There's no point of us going out to get like new ring gear made or come up with new characters. And we're in Australia, and yeah. nobody's ever going to watch this. And definitely, there won't be a podcast in twenty years talking about it. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. And
0: now that WWEF owns everything, like really, we're only going to be on the indies, so yeah, we can wear exactly. our gear on the indies.
1: Exactly. Like it's not, it's not that big of a deal. I don't think they they foresaw this. You know, uh, Nathan the Front Row Jones. What a weird name! Uh, it should be called Nathan will never draw, Jones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Apparently, he was a big, big deal in Australia. I mean, he, look, he is impressive to see. He's like the, the big show who can't work. And it's great, like your man going off there, being his heater firm. It's all grand. The problem starts here is when that bell rings, and it's well, just
0: actually, terrible. Actually,
1: just, just before the bell rings,
0: Jeff Jarrett cuts a promo on him. Uh, and This would be something of a, a theme throughout the night where he calls him a poofter. (laughs) Haven't heard that one. Haven't heard that one in a while. And very unusual to hear coming out of the mouth of a yank.
1: Yeah, but I think it's because because they're in Australia and he's he's learned the... (laughs) He's learned the vernacular.
0: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So, yeah, this match is terrible. Also, a guitar and a pole match, you don't win when you get the guitar.
1: no.
0: No. So, <laughs> you just get to use the guitar. Getting the guitar just means you now have a guitar,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, this
0: is it's, tr- match it, it's
1: atrocious, it's atrocious, it's terrible. It's such it goes, a bad match.
0: It goes four minutes. Uh, the only, the only thing in it is that Rove McManus uh, takes a pretty decent guitar shot, he does like. Takes it full on square in the head, like properly bumps. Goes down and does like a really decent front bump. You know, a lot of people are wrestlers take a shot and then they bump. You know, they tend to do that real safe. Oh, down on your arm, down and then roll back. And no, he takes a solid. This unless is one, this is what I'm. This <laughs> unless is unless I'm Jared just knocked him out. With it.
1: Oh, no, no, he properly wellied him. <laughs> I mean, he
0: absolutely laid into him. <laughs> I
1: have to say, you know, I mean, Jeff Jarrett's guitar shots can be kind of lame. Some of them are great. I think this is probably one of the best guitar shots yeah, it's like that he's ever done. Um, you know, I, look, again, I'm going to pitch for it. Rove McMadison in one corner. Tony Khan in another corner. Managed by Dixie Carter. At all in. And again, if
0: anyone from AEW is listening <laughs> to this, immediately and completely disregard these cards. Co- don't even bring it up as a joke. It's <laughs> Don't even bring it up as a, don't a even, joke. Don't even in a meeting. No, battle, do you want to be funny, lads? No. Battle of the billionaire. <laughs> don't even bring it up.
1: Come on, it'd be amazing. I'd I'd pop huge. Come on. <laughs> uh Jared. <laughs>
0: Derek gets the guitar anyway and wins the uh, guitar in a pole match.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he he gets the guitar and hits the stroke, and it's weird, right? So he hits the stroke for no real reason. Like it's not like because okay, I know what they were trying to do. They were trying they were trying to do a distraction thing. But it's it usually what would happen here is Nathan Jones would be so distraught by Mark Mattis being he's like oh no my mate. It, that doesn't happen because he doesn't sell anything. So he's just standing there and Jeff just grabs him and hits the stroke and then mercifully the match is over. Yeah, this
0: is only four minutes long and it's still It feels still, like fifteen minutes. And it's still enough time to go, Wow, that Nathan what is it, Jones? Yeah. Not a not the guy. Like in four minutes in a bloody gimmick match with an actual really good wrestler. Yeah. He couldn't even get that over the lane oh and by the way i don't know if we've pointed out that there are 10 matches in this card really every single one is a gimmick match literally every single
1: well i single didn't match. didn't put that together until just I now. think
0: i think the worst we ever covered was one of the latter wcw pay-per-views where they had like 10 matches and maybe eight or nine of them were gimmick matches every single one of these is a gimmick match
1: so here's what okay I didn't actually piece that together until just now. Here's what's weird, right? At the end of the match, Nathan Jones lovingly picks up Roe McMahon, puts him on a shoulder like Miss Elizabeth, and walks out.
0: That that is an accurate uh, retelling of what happens. It's a bit strange.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit strange. I don't know what they are implying. I just hope they were happy. That that's that's my hope. And I, I
0: think one. Area where you should uh, give a little bit of acknowledgement to Tony Khan a little bit of leeway to Tony Khan is that so far he has resisted the temptation to book himself
1: I want to see him wrestle Rove McMahon it all in every
0: single promoter who's come along and started a promotion has booked themselves into it that's uh, true true. (laughs) I think TK deserves credit for going do you know what I'm 5'8". <laughs> I'm 70 I'm not, kilos. I'm not going to do this. I do not belong this, in the
1: rain. <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> it's always a bad idea. It's yeah. always a bad idea. <laughs> so here's what's interesting, right? So after this match, we now know that Buff Bagwell and J- Jeff Jarrett are going to face each other. However, Juvie and Psychosis, their match is question marked for some reason on the bracket. So we don't know who's going to face Road Dogg. Despite the fact that we've already seen that Juvian psychosis match. So here's my question: Was this bracket from before it happened, and this was a production mess up already trying to like work the audience at this point? Oh,
0: good question. See, it's it's actually hard to tell because isn't it? The match that does happen instead is very different. It's very, but but it's. It's quite short, but then again, all the matches are short, so that wouldn't and it's necessarily... A treeway,
1: and it's a three-way tr- a as well.
0: Yeah, and the fact that it's short wouldn't necessarily imply that it was kind of off the cuff because mm. they're all short. Um, do you know what? No. This is why this is so weird. I think this is intentional because at the very start of the show, when Rove McManus and Nathan Jones step out of a, a limo, Lodi and Lani... Are there you know so the the camera like they make some wee funny comment about uh about nathan jones ah uh, yes Yeah. so yes, yes. the fact that they're even though this whole thing is really weird and muddled and makes no sense i think this was the plan i think this was
1: the booking then why even bother having them wrestle for it i have
0: absolutely no idea but what happens anyway is Bret Hart comes out and he says, um, again, it's kind of uh, unclear, but basically that Juventud is like uh, unconscious or he's too banged up after his match to wrestle. Right. So now what was supposed to be, I don't know, I assume a tag match uh, will now be Lodi and Lani versus the Road dog, But because Lodi and Lani are tag team, Basically, a handicap match, even though it's technically a three way, yeah. Basically, a handicap match. Road dog just absolutely booking himself over tonight. He's gonna win every match, he's gonna win the handicap match. <laughs> he's gonna
1: he's winning everything. <laughs>
0: um, Lodi and Lani, by the way. So, this match is again, it's a couple of minutes long. Uh, it's, it's not terrible. Uh, Lodi and Lani, like, I'll get into their gimmick now in a minute. But Lodi and Lani...
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm leaving this one up to you. This is <laughs> no, a... In the
0: something. ring, <laughs> so they're called the West, the West Hollywood Blondes. In the ring, they're actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. Actually really good. Um, and they've a really cool kind of uh, high-flying power dynamic. You know, like one of them, I can't remember who's Lodi and who's Lani, but one of them does a lot of like really cool athletic high-flying stuff, and the other guy is more of the power move. Or... In the vernacular of their gimmick, one of them is the twink and one of them is the bear. Because <laughs> <laughs> their whole gimmick is very late 90s, early noughties. LOL, gay guys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're funny, they're so gay. <laughs> um, and the whole way through the match, like they're constantly ending up in positions where you know there's bums next to balls and balls next to chins and they do a move where uh, uh, they stick Lani sitting up on the top turnbuckle and his legs are each side of the turnbuckle and then Lodi comes over at Road Dog and starts banging his head into the turnbuckle and then from a certain angle it looks like he's getting a really aggressive
1: blowjob. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a gimmick that would not fly no, <laughs> in in modern times, no.
0: But the fact that the two guys are actually so good, and they really commit themselves to it, they do like like a hundred percent. They're not embarrassed. They are out there giving this socks. Yeah. they're like, right, if we're gonna be too flamboyantly like homosexual stereotypes, we're gonna be the best flamboyant homosexual
1: stereotypes you've ever seen, and they 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 give it to them. They do. They absolutely do. And I mean, look, it, it the match itself actually is not bad. It, it's actually grand. It's yep. just. Um, apart it's from just the end. Very, it's just very full on. Apart the of end. Rolljog yeah. winning with that idiotic shit, ratting and
0: roll knee drop.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I think on one hand, you could be like, okay, fair enough. He uh, He won with a lame move, or the lads had already beaten themselves at that point. And they were in the 69 position, so. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is
0: it. This we're not making jokes, making by the way. Stuff. This, is, this, is, what this is how on the nose. I, I, like,
1: okay, big, it, okay, hold on, sorry. It's so on the nose that they come out wearing pigtails, sucking lollipops.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's like, there's so no the nose. subtlety or nuance. But there's, a, there's a, a, a sequence in the middle of the match. I don't know how they contrived this. I'd actually have to go back and watch it again. Where they're bouncing around the ring, the three of them's wrestling, whatever, and Road Dog gets knocked out of the way, and however it ends up, um, Lanny and Lodi end up just in a full-on doggy style position, just, just there, and like it's very, it's as gratuitous as it can be with, you know, out actual penetration.
1: <laughs> um, it, it, look, it's a lot. It, it genuinely is a lot, but the thing of it is, I mean, that's their gimmick. And look, it was super over. Obviously, it was the, the early nineties, and and this kind of stuff, um, this kind of stuff flew. You flew know, this, this,
0: there's,
1: actually, it, there's actually before
0: the match starts, the uh, the fruits and suits are in the ring when Lodi and Lani come out, and Bret Hart comes out to say, uh, uh injured," and he says, <laughs> he says. Get those two fruits out of the ring. And Jerry Lawler goes, Which ones? And you, can see, you can see Hart having to cover his face. Because he can hear it because it's been <laughs> yeah, broadcast, it over the, broadcast over. <laughs> you can see him having to cover his face
1: laughing. <laughs> the, the only
0: time he cracks a smile the whole show.
1: Oh my God. It, it's it's something else. It's, it's, it really is a relic. It's a relic of a bygone time, and I think that's why it's so such a weird show. Everything about it is just bizarre. It's a bizarre show. So after that match, obviously the Road Dog is uh, is the winner, and we have Jeff Jarrett coming out uh, with another guitar to face Buff the Stuff in a tits, whips, and Buff match. Now, pray tell, what are the rules of this? Tits, whips, and buff match, Martin. Well, that pretty
0: much says it all. There's there's tits, there's whips, there's buff, and there's Jeff Jarrett, who I think was ungenerously left out of the name of the match. It should have been the tits, whips, buff, and double J match. But it's basically <laughs> it's a it's a lumberjack match, in which instead of wrestlers, the ring is surrounded by uh, the starettes and some other women uh, who all have uh, whips. So whenever you get knocked out of the ring, they sort of viciously whip you. Uh, Or or at least that was the idea. What ends up happening is that whenever Buff Bagwell gets knocked out of the ring, the girls all love him and they like help him up and they're like massaging his shoulders and feeling his arms and helping him get back in the ring. And whenever Jeff Jarrett gets knocked out of the ring, they lay
1: into him with the leather. So how much of this was somebody's like, you know, it's like the way, it's like the way when people are watching. Um, uh, what's it? Who directed Pulp Fiction? Oh, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. Thank you. Uh, it's like when you're watching a Quentin Tarantino movie, and you're like, oh, "There's lots of feet in there." There's a lot. There's an unusual it's, amount. I mean, I know everybody has feet, but I'm not used to seeing this. Exactly. <laughs> feet. How much of this do you think was your man going? You know what I could do here.
0: <laughs> I, I think. I think a lot of the wrestlers uh, on this show had the ear of your man, Roald McManus. I, I think so too, And yeah. And were doing a lot of their own booking. Like Road Dogg so. was coming out going, you know, uh, I should beat Conan and then I should go out and have a handicap match and I should win it. <laughs> and then Buff Bagel was coming out and going, you know what we should do is you should get all the sexy women in Sydney and we should have a match where they're just like love me and they're feeling me up and like that'd be great <laughs> the crowd would love that the crowd would love then Jerry Lawler was coming out and going do you know what do you know what people would love here Rove McManus is if we had a match where in front of several thousand women I could I had several thousand witnesses I could sexually assault a woman like that would be that'd be great booking like the, the crowd would love that so I think all these guys were just booking themselves <laughs>
1: Oh my god, it's so funny. It's so funny. I mean, it's not, but it also really really is. It really really is. It's, it's so a, funny.
0: And it's a terrible match. But you know what? Like it wouldn't be as funny if in between the silly bits, it was a good match. It's it's a terrible match.
1: Look, I mean, Buff Bagwell has never been someone who you're like, you know what, he's going to carry the he's going to carry the belt. He's going to be the guy that we want. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it it's never that. Didn't Vince famously
0: yes. <laughs> take one look
1: at him or give yeah. him one match? One match. And then- <laughs> buff Bagwell is so. For people who might not know, Buff Bagwell is solely responsible for WWE pulling the plug on ever bringing WCW back. It's Net- Buff. It's Buff. Fun. They were
0: going to get rid of SmackDown, weren't right they? Yeah. Nitro. It's going to be yeah, wrong. Nitro.
1: Raw. No, sorry. It's going to be Nitro on SmackDown.
0: Oh wow! They're going to get rid yeah. of Raw.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Wow! I didn't expect that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Buff Bagwell, and who was it? Booker T, actually. Yeah, but, Book, but it wasn't Booker T's fault. <laughs> it
1: was oh. Buff's fault. And I
0: always, I always thought that was kind of unfair on Bagwell because look, like you say, he's no Kenny Omega and no. get well the best boat machine, um, but uh, he was never there's been a lot of stinkers in WWF that people didn't get immediately fired for yeah
1: but I mean this was abhorrent oh this yeah this match was dreadful so if that match like I haven't seen that match in a while I mean we might actually we might do that as a Christmas treat we'll see Um, but yeah no this was really bad but I I did like the fact that the the girls (laughs) they really committed to the gimmick where they were less like you know all over buff but it was funny. It was funny, but bad. Uh, Jeff would eventually win, of course. Um, I, I don't think did this one evolve a guitar. I don't think it did. Um, no. Uh, there's some sort of
0: um, there was some sort of interference or just dist- oh the the referee was distracted at the end that was it. because that was it. the girls were distracted. The girls were all over the referee then, and he got distracted. Um, but again. And this was a theme throughout the night. It was a lumberjack match. Yes. There's no disqualification. You don't no. need to distract the ref to hit someone with a weapon.
1: No, they can just do it. You
0: just do it. Why did they keep doing these like ref bumps and hiding it? It happens in the bloody... It happens in the last match, and it's a
1: cage match. I just think they have a style, and they're like, these are the spots we're going to hit. It doesn't matter what that means. That's what I think. That would be my, my uh, ill-educated guess, but uh, I do think I'm probably right on it. So Jeff wins, and uh, that takes us one step closer to, to crowning our champion for the vacant uh, WWE World Heavyweight Title. The next match, and I said we'll come back to this. We have Gangrel going by the name the Vampire Warrior against. You, you have
0: notes on this. What, what, I have. Notes. What, what was this about?
1: So, the first thing is, uh, I actually witnessed this match in person. Uh, so, they they would actually do this on tour. Second, Luna and uh, Gangrel were actually married in real life. Like, they were actually married.
0: I didn't know that, but that yeah, makes it, sense, in not
1: it? Yeah, in real life, they were actually married. So, they are an actual couple. Um, and, yeah, if you watch Gangrel talk about Luna, he gets, like, devastated. So, I mean, obviously, they must have been, you know, actually really, really close. So it sucks that that, that kind of happened, but um, yeah. obviously Gangrel is his the best years are behind him because the brood kind of left him, and nineteen ninety nine is further and further away as as we we go on. But Luna Vachon, again, still she was kind of let go by WWE, so same with Gangrel at this point as well. But here's my notes on it. So Gangrel, if you ever noticed when you play um a WWE game from this time. There would be a little logo underneath, like on the, the logo screen, you know, with the, with the rights where WWE is, property of Titan Towers, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. There would also be Gangrel as property of White Wolf Entertainment. So what you may not know, because I didn't know up until I actually played the game and, and got, really got into, got into it, uh, White Wolf Entertainment produced Vampire the Masquerade. Which is a D&D style game and also like the source material for one of the best games ever made, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which everyone should play. And Gangrel is a vampire type, right? So right. you could be a Gangrel. And that is like, oh. so that's where the name comes from. Oh, now,
0: that's kind of the way Yokozuna was called Yokozuna, even though Yokozuna isn't a name, it's a rank of sumo wrestler you can achieve.
1: Correct, but the difference is Yokozuna isn't trademarked by Japan. Ah, True. <laughs> they probably should. <laughs> they probably should. Gangrel is literally is literally made up and trademarked by White Wolf Entertainment. So every time WWE would use it on like a merch, on like a figure, on a video game, blah blah blah, they would have to pay and credit White Wolf Entertainment, right? So obviously, <laughs> it's funny because I mean, since they're breaking trademarks, uh, Gangrel here uses a Vampire Warrior, and I think that's actually what Gangrel means. So the name actually does make sense. It just sounds silly because they're not using the fancy name. But, they're just using the actual name. Now, I know what you're going to say, but everyone else is breaking copyright. Why doesn't he? I think White Wolf have a, a further reach on copyright for certain things. Because, like, think about it. They were so good at copyright and stuff, WDB had to give in to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think that's But what No, but not even that. Like, So what I don't get is... Right, why not, like, Vampire Warrior is the most generic name you can come up with. Why not be Bangrel, the Vampire Warrior? Or even drop the Gangrel thing altogether and just come up with something else. Be, you know, Nosferatu, the Vampire Warrior. Just Vampire Warrior on its own just struck me as the kind of name you'd come up with in Creator Wrestler as a five-year-old.
1: See, he really, really likes being a vampire.
0: Yeah, but be something the vampire. Working. No,
1: I know, no, I know what you're saying makes sense, but he really, really likes being the vampire.
0: Yeah, I don't want to be anything. I don't want to be any variation. <laughs> I don't want to be Joe the vampire. I just want to be
1: vampire. <laughs> exactly. So it sounds so silly, and it is. And again, I mean, I, again, I think this is the same thing as but Punk. We could say. But Gangrel,
0: <laughs> but Gangrel wants to be a vampire. He
1: just then. wants to be a vampire. It is non-negotiable. It's not, yeah, it's non-negotiable, and I
0: think I will. I will do your show for free. But <laughs> I, will but I must you. be referred to. I will pay you to do the show <laughs> as the vampire. <laughs>
1: but I must be a vampire at all times. <laughs> um, honestly, here. man, I can't find a better excuse for it other than that. <laughs> I don't think there is one I would love to know because I mean he, Gangrel has never like changed his gimmick he's never gone off and been anything else he's no, always just yeah, been
0: I actually saw him in Wrestle in Belfast last year and he was Gangrel
1: this is what I'm saying he's never been anything else he's never wanted to change his gimmick he's never like changed it up still Gangrel do you know it's, it's funny that
0: uh, uh, thing you told me about White Wolf Entertainment I didn't know that um do you know all the Marvel movies you watch now? Yes. Do you know the only reason you can see them is because of WWF? Really? So in the late eighties, um Marvel was basically going out of business. It was, yeah. They were like absolutely tanking. There were still like popular comics and that, but it just it wasn't selling. Um, and it wasn't covering the costs the way it should. The only thing that kept Marvel afloat during that time period was they agreed a deal with WWF where Hogan could be called Hulk Hogan. And there was a copyright issue with the Hulk. So in order to call Hulk Hogan, they didn't have a full copyright thing, but they agreed to pay Marvel a certain amount every year. For the rights to call um, Hogan Hulk Hogan, and it was literally that money that kept Marvel afloat during that time period until no they way. came a bit over that hump. They they would have like they do an interview and all on it. I can't remember who it's with, but they basically say, "Yeah, we would have we would have collapsed, we would have folded if it hadn't been for the WWF money."
1: No way. No way so here's the thing so I have a bit more uh, information on this so it looks like Vampire Warrior was actually the name that he used in the indies and it was inspired by the Lost Boys he actually teamed with Luna before everything else so back in the 90s back in like
0: 1994 oh cool so before the brood and everything
1: yeah and he married Luna in a wedding to a vampire where Luna married him man (laughs) So this I mean, is like this. So, okay, uh, so, this seg- so this segment. So this segment here. I'm not here, surprised at all. It completely strikes me as something those two people would do. So this segment is a payoff for a gimmick that happened WWF back in 1994. At what point was this like? Eight years beforehand, in a different company in Australia.
0: That's long-term storytelling.
1: But there we go. This <laughs> uh, uh, a black wedding match it is a black wedding match so folks you might be asking what is exactly a black wedding match well it's a hardcore match uh where that's and there are some like there's like a cake and some presents and stuff but it's just it's weird i mean if like the one i saw was fairly similar to this um but a little bit better worked. I mean, this one was kind of like a story that Gangrel didn't actually want to fight Luna, and he freaks out when he has to hit her. So not really much happens in this match. This match is a story-driven driven event for a pay-per-view for a company that has, like, four shows. Yeah. So I it, thought this was weird. This was, this was a weird segment.
0: It's five minutes long, and an awful lot of the five minutes is, is faffing about is... Yeah, I don't want to hit you, blah blah blah. But then when he does, so uh, Luna Vachon keeps attacking Gangrel. Uh, He keeps trying to like just shake her off or shrug her off or whatever. But she keeps going at him. Eventually he snaps. But he doesn't snap and go, "All right, you want to fight? Fine." And put her in a sleeper. and he hoists her up. the most vicious, even flow <laughs> DDT you've ever seen. Like, he yeah, fired her it's, about six feet in the air. It, it's dr- proper, thrills her.
1: And I mean, I always thought Luna was a lot bigger because she, the way she'd lumber over the other girls, she's not. She's like, she is half of his size. Do you know what, though? And it's yeah. kind of, it's like, it's like, whoa, I never actually because I mean, when you watch Luna in the ad, there, she is in there with the girls, and the girls will be smaller than her. Yeah, but Gangrel is a big dude. <laughs> He absolutely wellies her, and you're like, oh, my God. So, yeah. But there is a weird thing with sizes, because, like, in the 80s and 90s, Bret
0: Hart was always considered, like, a smaller guy, one of the smaller guys, like, sort of paved the way for smaller guys to break through. But see, at the end of the pay-per-view, and he gets in the ring with Jeff
1: Jarrett, like, yeah. he's kind of looming over Jarrett. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It, it's, it's. I think it's a matter of perspective, because when you're yeah, watching... Yeah, definitely. When you're watching these in a vacuum and they don't really interact like I mean Nathan Jones is obviously a bad example but the big show like the big show when you see him in person he's big he's huge like he is genuinely huge and you're like oh my god but when you see Randy Orton in person you're like damn he looks weird you know, like, his his body is weird particularly when he does the RKO I mean I've said this before but when you see the RKO in person you're like that's a weird move Randy Orton moves weirdly but you never yeah. really see that on television you know, it's just Randy Orton. Even, and, you, even know,
0: see it in, you even see it in AEW now with uh, Billy Gunn. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Gunn's example. bigger than 80% of the roster. Yeah. <laughs> like, significantly bigger.
1: Yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, So, obviously, we got Gangrel uh, winning, or the Vampire Warrior winning this Black Wedding match. Yeah, there would be a few... TM, United, White Wolf. <laughs> White Wolf Entertainment. We owe them money. How much do we owe them? Um, But, yeah, I mean, the thing about it is it's like, I saw that match in person and the match that I saw was significantly different than that. It was a bit more worked and, you know, a bit more gimmicky. We'd have the return of the Starrettes to do a little dance before um, our next match, which would uh, be actually be the main event because there was a dark match, which we didn't get to see. Um, it was a four-way skin-to-win match, so I guess you can imagine what that was. Probably I, some kind of striptease s- match.
0: So I was on a Wikipedia and I was going, four-way skin-to-win the hell is that but skin to win had a blue hyperlink so i was like oh it must be something and then i clicked on it and it's yeah it's basically it's a brand panties match it's the the four women get in i don't even know adara james sharon a wad queen b violet tarosi are any of those actual wrestlers do any of uh, those names
1: the names don't ring a bell but if they probably use different names we and would know who they were
0: none of them have like None of them have like blue hyperlinks or no. anything on Wikipedia. Um, so I, I, su- I suspect they just got four hot women. that yes. Told them get in the ring and rip each other's clothes off for That's five minutes. That's probably exactly what
1: happened. So we ha- we get Disco Inferno coming out and cutting an inconsequential promo, which is uh, ridiculous. Uh, this, the fruits and suits come out, and it's a big payoff for the angle. It's the thinks- show-long angle. The show got <laughs> a proper payoff for some reason. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know if they were shown these segments on the screens, right, for for the live crowd. So there is a very high possibility people had no idea what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> only half I mean, knew the story. Only half knew the story. They probably did this over a couple of nights. They might have even done it at different points in different parts. We don't know because, I mean, this show wasn't live. It was kind it was like, pre-taped and not all of it was probably put together and we're not seeing all of it, it could have been it child sequence very choppily edited in some places as well. it is it's very choppily edited so yeah Bret Hart then comes out and says right this is for the the title we have the road dog coming out and well, look is this is this before the the final showdown with disco and the and the fruits yeah so that happened first
0: yeah so disco uh uh, is in the ring. He's given out about. <laughs> he's given out about the fruits, and the fruits come down. Oh, so by okay. this stage, the cage is down. Is is down.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, I don't know how it happens, but somehow they contrive to have Disco and one of the fruits on top of the cage, and he throws the fruit off the cage outside the ring through a table, and the fruit, I mean, just about. Clips the, the edge of the table. So, like, it must have been like a local wrestler or something who was Had in the. Be. Had to be. It, cause it Had was to that be. Horrendous bump. Uh, and it also, I think that was also because the, the whole angle was so stupid. I think it was the Booker's way of giving the people a big bump while mm. also acknowledging that neither Road Dog or Jeff Jarrett are going to come off the top of this
1: cage. Yeah. <laughs> Brahart then does come out because it, 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 like that choppy edit is kind of like a feature of this entire show. Uh, Brahart comes out and he sits so awkwardly close to JB that he might as well be in his lap. <laughs> it's, and it's bizarre. You're in a West Hollywood blance. It's so bizarre. And it's like, and he just looks like he does not want to be there. The belt, uh, it's probably the worst belt in wrestling history as well. Um, no shade oh. to WWE, but I really hate the belt. Um, oh
0: it's like a, it's like one of those belts you see in
1: pictures from like the like 50s ni- 60s more like 1920 or like yeah. 1800 or something it's like and we have giant haystacks wrestling for the, the world title you and know it's, what, like, it's uh,
0: almost like the uh, when they brought out the TNT belt but it hadn't been finished yet
1: No nah, man it's worse it's more it's, it, it's more belt it's basically belt with a tiny bit of gold on it yeah literally yeah, it's bizarre. literally it's bizarre. I mean, there there's a shot over here we'll put up on our social media and it's just a big bunch of brown with like a Power Ranger morpher in the middle and like two random bits of gold.
0: Yeah. It's not even like like the the faceplate of it. It's not even like detailed or etched or anything. No, or it's WWA just bits of gold. or anything on it. It's,
1: yeah. It's not I great. mean, you know, like here's the thing, right? They could have went to Rhino and said, "Listen, buddy, will you bring the will you bring the ECW title with you? We'll put a sticker over." Yeah, because he like, had it, he had it. He like, used it in TNA later on. Yeah, it's not like they were opposed to doing that. Sure. No, and <laughs> Rhino, I don't think, I don't even think Rhino was in WWE. But well, no, 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 because he was in WWE. No, never mind. He actually had a he actually had a job. Hold on, I'm gonna have a look at
0: this. I'm gonna have a look <laughs> at this. Let's Jared walk around with like a. Global Force sticker over the top of his TNA title for yeah, the but
1: I'm, I'm trying to see who who on this list would actually have a title like hanging out at home. Okay, now Brian Christopher definitely didn't. Chris Sabin was there. Wild. Let's see Guerrero. Guerrero was there for a while. I don't think he had a title. No, he didn't have a title at the time. Okay, you know what, uh, Martin. This was Slim Pickens. None of these guys had a title hanging out at home. What about one of Conan's Mexican titles? You see, he actually, it's funny you mention it. The title that he hit Road Dog with earlier on was a much more prestigious title. Scott Steiner probably had, a t- had an old WCW title at home he could have used. Okay.
0: Or at least a large chain that he could have wrapped around it and glitzed, glitzed the belt up a
1: wee bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sabu was in this company as well. I actually, the first time I saw Sabu was at, was in Dublin. That was class. Uh, yeah, look, it was either Scott Steiner or Sting that might have a world title at home because it definitely wasn't Loki or Nathan Jones or Nova. <laughs> you know, they, they, they were really scraping the barrel here in lots of ways. But um, yeah, Chris Sabin and AJ Styles, that's crazy. Christopher Daniels too at the time. But um, okay, let's get into this. So the main event, uh, Road Dogg would come out and uh, obviously... He, he looks re- very very fresh so i i d- think this match was either the next night or very much later on yeah um or think, uh, the fact that both of his matches put together went about seven minutes that's true that's true well he's wearing a very fetching wwa hat which i would actually wear um and i'm mean, not mind the WWA shirt looks quite good um, like now, it does look like one of the you know the knockoff shorts that you buy outside of WWE yeah. shows. You know, like <laughs> John's Army and all that kind of yeah. stuff. That's what it looks like, but it just kind of works. I mean, the weird pastiche of WWE merch just seems to it has that air of like this is knockoff, but not really, but still kind of a knockoff. I mean, because that's what the whole show represents. I've never seen a bit of merchandise represent a company so well as the T-shirt does. Yeah, I'm actually looking up here to see if there's uh, anywhere you can get it. Oh, man. eBay. eBay has to have it. I Like, I have that shirt somewhere, and I will find it and, and uh, drop a picture of it. But, uh, yeah, he comes out and cuts another promo and says he's going to be uh, the first ever WWE, or sorry, he was the first ever WWE Champion of the World. Does his uh, DX New Age Outlaws shtick again for the second time in the night, which is very, very funny. The cage, I have to say, Martin, it, it's like a, a lovely cage. It's, oh, yeah, decent-looking it's, cage. It's like a top-quality WWE cage that they have. So there was some kind of money, and I have to give them credit. Where they chose to actually spend the money really actually improved the show as a show. And, I, yes. and, 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 I mean, I have couple to give them all a couple credit. couple extra quid on the belt. Yeah, I, you know what I think it was? I think they're like, look, we can either get a good show or we can get a good belt, and they were probably like... Yeah, look, we'll give them a terrible belt, but the the show comes first. And, I mean, it it, it works. You know, like, yeah, the barriers look kind of crappy and that, but the actual cage itself, it's a very good-looking cage. It's a great cage match aesthetic. The match itself, though, I mean... I'll tell you what, before we get into the match itself,
0: they'd they'd have a couple of quid... Knocking about if they were still going now, because if you go on eBay, a two thousand and two WWA World Tour T shirt, pre owned, will cost you seventy pounds sterling. Really?
1: Yeah. There you okay. go. Yeah. No I see I kinda don't want to sell my one, that's the thing. <laughs> it has it has sentimental value. You're not that hard up for seventy quid. Well no, I mean that's probably what the belt cost them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 70 quid on eBay. It's like, oh, there we go. Quick, we'll, we have this line around. Um, but look, the match itself, I, the only thing I really did hate about it was that you could see the car- cameramen at all times in the match. I think that really took away from it. But I do like the fact that they were cutting from outside to the inside in such a cool way that, you know, yeah. like the way your man inside the cage shot it, it made you feel like you were actually like in the ring with them because you were. What they don't do is they don't have those cutouts that WDB have where they're able to put the camera through the through the through the cage. Because I think this cage was pre-owned, it was uh, on loan. So like, yeah, don't don't do cut that cage. Don't, don't cut holes in our cage. Don't cut holes in our cage, please. So I mean that's the only kind of criticism I can really say from a production standpoint. The match yeah. itself
0: And it's not even like you say really a criticism, because like these kind of things um issues. You sort them out like WWF's first cage
1: matches weren't like brilliantly produced. No, and I mean look, it, it's it makes a lot of sense. It's like I think like some of these teen issues that we've kind of brought up, like the commentary, it adds to the show and it makes it look unique. I mean, I would actually I prefer watching a cage match like this because it gives it, it its own kind of look and its own like unique style. And again, there's a bit halfway through the match where they're up on top of the cage. And it's a TNA shot. You know, a lot of the stuff that he'd use here, they would bring back and, like, elaborate on during TNA. Um, So, I mean, look, they did figure it out. It's just weird to see a cameraman just hanging out in the cage. It's like, yeah, that's a bit dangerous. (laughs) You know, particularly if they start using weapons. But again, there was no danger that these lads were going to do anything mad. It's the safest, slowest cage match in the world. Jeff Jarrett wins the handiest victory I think he's ever had.
0: Yeah. Even with the blade job, like he, so, Jeff Jarrett does pretty good blade job. Like his face is covered in blood, yeah. but you're watching it going from what?
1: Yeah, you, <laughs> which you were, which you of were, these gentle embraces cut him <laughs> open? <laughs> you were not hit by anything, <laughs> and he's 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 more bloody than Ric Flair at this point. I mean, I think a lot of Jeff Jarrett's gimmick is kind of like Ric Flairish, so it just kind of makes sense. But he wins. Um, a handy victory they they go for the, the Montreal school job kind of thing where Road Dog oh, does the God. stuff and it's it's, t- it's 2001
0: and this has already been overdone to, like maybe part of the reason Brett was so grumpy because uh, he
1: knew this was going because
0: we're, oh, we're going to do the fucking Montreal finish again again
1: it's been done it took six <laughs> hours but it's done <laughs> <laughs> oh oh God. God! Yeah, So look, Jeff Jarrett does win. He's your your second second champion uh, in in WWE, and the show ends, and everybody goes home happy. I mean, you, you get Braharth, being Braharth, puts Jeff Jarrett in the sharpshooter, and he taps out for some reason. Braharth doesn't even take his hat off once. No. He looks he's like, I'm going home here. He's in
0: full on. Bags are packed. I am walking out of here to the airport.
1: And within a couple of months, they'd be in Dublin. I'd be there. In a couple of more months, they would be out of business, and we would have WW We'd have TNA and WWE as your two standard wrestling companies, and WWE would fade off into obscurity, where people like us will dig it up forevermore. Till we, til we
0: resurrected it
1: so key people Andrew McManus sorry I need to correct myself Andrew McManus is the owner of WBA but Jeremy Borash was the director and the director of talent oh so the McManus family had a had a few uh, and here's the thing Andrew McManus you know where all the money came from oh it's gonna be some real like blood daemons or something no he was a concert promoter oh
0: well there you go well, blood, yeah, <laughs> blood <laughs> diamonds. <laughs> it's, it's always it's always whenever people have loads of money, it's always something dodgy. It's you know see the way like Elon Musk likes to tell people it's like oh yeah, I pull myself up on my bootstraps and like never you know kind of skips over the fact that his family owned literal diamond
1: mines. Yeah, well, that's true. In that's Africa. True. That's true. That's that's actually very very true. But uh, anyway, I right. suppose that goes to show why some of the production was pretty decent pretty decent yeah and why it actually looked quite well i mean for 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 what it was which is again like it's such a lovely relic i mean i i just think it's cute is the wrong word because it's lads killing each other in the ring, but I, i just appreciate how weird it is but how earnest it is at the same time like they went out to have a good show the talent are like, look, we we're getting paid in way. We're gonna go super light. It's gonna be fine. But they're still able to do it. I mean, yeah. the biggest and, problem. The biggest problem with the show is Norman Smiley, <laughs> Devin Storm, <laughs> and and Nathan Jones. I mean, and, you take those guys out, and it wasn't that bad. And you know, in the
0: right circumstances, it can be fun. Just watching wrestlers just have a great time, just really enjoying themselves. Yeah, like the the tits whips. And buff match is terrible, but see every time buff gets knocked out of the ring and rolls into the crowd of women and all, he like, is having the this best time. smile on <laughs> his. Like he, like the actual booking of that match probably called for him to bump out of the ring once, but every time like Jeff Jarrett sort of breezes past him, he takes a huge back bump and rolls out of the ring.
1: He's like, I gotta, I gotta make the most out of this. <laughs> But look, I, I just think it's uh it, it it if you haven't seen it, folks, you really should. I mean, look, it has some abhorrent stuff. Um, there's a lot of slangs, a lot of uh slurs used. Some of it doesn't age well. A lot of it doesn't age well. But it is, it is quite funny. It is quite unique in the way it presents itself. It, it there's no like, it's not in a mean sense. It's just kind of like, this is just Australia. In 2000, and this is what gets over. And that's, yeah, and that's, it's, and it's that's not, it's not a, an
0: excuse, but no, of course, like this. Yeah, that, that's what the early noughties were. Everyone yeah, was it, going around, you know, saying gay this and gay that. And exactly. Like, it's exactly. just,
1: I mean, if it happened, we can only uh, apologize for what we were like. Exactly. And again, what we were like, what, 10, 11? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. We we don't need to take any personal. No no, no. Responsibility but I mean, first. just just uh, a just a fair warning that there is a lot in it. It's not as bad. Look, if you're listening to this show, you're well used to it. You know what happens. But it it it's it's funny in a sense that it's tamer that what was on American television as far as like what they would say or what was in the audience or even what the talent would say at some points. So you're like, well, wow, okay. They go they lean a bit hard in here and there, but the other point in when you're watching Raw. Jerry King Lawler is laying into someone full on, or else you have Goldust there like trying to hum someone's leg. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all it's all <laughs> relative. But look, we're gonna do uh Martin, what do you wanna go for in your house real quick or will we leave it to next week?
0: Um let me see in your house to, to be honest there's only really two matches on in your house that are of any consequence okay well, to, look,
1: we'll run through it really quickly we'll run through it really quickly uh because well, yeah as I said we're not we're we did go two hours <laughs> so no. we're just gonna keep going I look, <laughs> it, I, I just really like WWE I think it's a fun show
0: it, it absolutely is worth watching, like if you go in with the right mindset, like bear in mind, you're probably, unless you're like Dara with his signed DVD and his, his million dollar WWE t-shirt, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably gonna be watching this on YouTube. So bear in mind, we're talking about it being like surprisingly good production that it's an early noughties pay-per-view on YouTube. It's not gonna look anything like today, but it's very watchable. The show is bizarre. Uh, but the matches are all so short; it fully zips by. It's only two hours long, and uh, they're all
1: gimmick shows, and they're all gimmick <laughs> matches as well. Wall
0: to wall gimmick matches, and um, yeah, if nothing else, just the uh, juxtaposition of jumping from the tits and whips to the bananas and pajamas to the skin match to the fruits and suits to Jerry Lawler assaulting a woman.
1: <laughs> it's just... Uh, and where else would you get, <laughs> for in the middle of a tournament, for a world title, a random battle royale. Yeah. Nowhere. Completely We're
0: open random people to the merch sellers and the...
1: <laughs> I'm amazed nobody got out of seats and jumped in from the crowd.
0: Yeah, nobody hopped the barricade, aye. Cause Cause I Because I mean Everyone was being that, like... Loosey goosey about the whole thing, they probably would have let
1: them. Yeah. I mean, like it's the one time that legitimately they could have been like, Well, you you told us to. Yeah. That yeah, it would yeah. actually fly, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it would stand up in in court. (laughs) Play the video back where he literally says it's open to everybody. Everybody. (laughs) I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) Okay, well, look. All right, folks, we're going to have to end the show here. You're not going to believe what happened. Martin's power went out, and and that was it. So we're going to end the show here and come back next week to talk about In Your House and a few other bits and pieces here on the wrestlingrewind.com. If this is your first time checking out the show, thank you so much really appreciate it we'd appreciate it if you went over to nerdtoknowmedia.com nerdtoknowmedia.com or the True Penny channel check out the other shows we had there and of course you can uh, get all of the social media links and keep up to date with everything we're doing there as well we also have a Patreon give us an x pack Euro you know you want to uh, and we'll be back here next week on the Wrestling Rewind bye guys listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.